Rusty Quill presents. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club. Today we're going to be talking about Resident Evil 8, Resident Evil Village, and um, some other stuff that I've been kind of watching and looking at, and, and I have some mild recommendations first. But 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 before we before we get to all that, as usual, I'd like to ramble a little bit. I know some people hate that, man. I think I've mentioned this before, but they're like, just get straight to the content. And I think maybe that's just because. Uh, the other people's podcasts that they're listening to, the hosts are actually quite boring. So if you don't get straight to the content, um, there's really no reason. There's really no reason to, uh, to listen to them. Hopefully I'm not that boring. Hopefully I'm, I'm kind of an interesting person to listen to. And, and on that note, don't forget that um, 
If you want to keep up to date with the behind the, the scenes things at the West Side Fairy Tales, we are going to be going into our off-season hiatus. Those of you who are new and don't know that, the season, the regular season of the West Side Fairy Tales, that's all the story episodes and the like, will end in July. That is uh, going to be obviously with the culmination of our current story, Scars in Time. And uh, once that happens, we will be um, just, on, I'll be on vacation. I'm probably going to do what I always do. I'm going to finish up the last episode and, uh, and polish it. And then I'm going to play Hollow Knight for a week and not talk to anybody because that is what I do as a, uh, as a celebration. Maybe I'll pick a different game this time. But yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be taking it quote unquote easy. As a side and inside news for everything, um, just to keep you guys kind of abreast of the other projects that we've got going on and some, some other stuff. And if you want to get involved in any of these things and uh, see them as they're created, just make sure that you, uh, you hop on either to the Discord, which we have a link to. Or it's the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club Discord, where you can talk about the shows, the um, regular story episodes you can talk about this hlc you can come in there and make fun of me i don't mind I, that's what people do all the time <laughs> and uh and, and just chat it up with everybody about stuff we've got a lot of uh, a lot of things going on we're going to be adding some tabletop gaming stuff and uh, i'm going to talk a little bit about that in in conjunction with the side projects but if you want to stay abreast of all of these things i highly suggest you join the discord which is completely free you just make an account, hop on over there, and, uh, and just, just, you can just hang out. It's pretty great. And uh, also the Patreon, which is going to give you access to raw material that is not ready for release, but just kind of, it's going to be how you guys can keep up to date with the projects as they're coming out. So, you know, um, there's going to be, I think, a much larger gap between this season and next season because of just the sheer size of next season's content, it is um, it's shaping up to be a very large story. The episodes, I believe, are going to be released probably at the same pace, one every other week um, for the duration of the season. The episodes are going to be longer, um, just so that you guys, just for comparison's sake, an average episode of Scars in Time is 7,000 words, which... Basically, yeah, with ads and that, um, comes out to roughly a flat hour of content. These are going to be 10,000 words on average, which comes out to, I think, more along the lines of about an hour and 20 minutes to, um, yeah, probably about an hour and 20 minutes, hour 15, hour and 20 minutes. And uh, that 15 minutes, it's a lot of extra work uh, every, every, every single minute. Um, if I just go by audio, not even including the writing portion of these, every single finished minute that you listen to basically takes like eight to 10 minutes of, of work to get out. Um, especially now that I'm doing, I will be doing sound effects. We're writing the score and all of that for the next season. As I speak, I'm kind of doing everything in tandem. I am eight chapters into it. Uh, so eight episodes as you would, as you would think of it. And uh, I'm really, I'm really excited for it. Um, I won't get any spoilers, but if you want to know more about it and uh, what we're going to be doing in that season, kind of even maybe some hints as to reoccurring characters from other seasons that will be present in that season, maybe before the and earlier in the timeline when you saw them, I strongly suggest you go to patreon.com slash Westside Fairy Tales 
and check that stuff out so that you can kind of uh, keep abreast of it. And don't forget that your support, even in the off-seasons, I mean, especially in the off-season, helps the regular season go. Uh, it's not, I don't, I don't have the sort of content where I can just, uh, I don't know how to say it, where I can just um, kind of come out with something every week. I wish I could. If I was just doing this, I could do this, I could do this literally every week. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't really be that hard, but writing the stuff and creating it. Yeah. It, it just takes forever. So, you know, something that's one hour, I guess, takes at least eight to 10. Well, actually, you know, it's probably even longer than that. Now that I think of it, it might be extremely long because I'm just thinking about cutting time. And then that's not including all the fucking making goddamn each song, you know, takes you know, a few days to make. And then, Jesus Christ, I'm like, I'm just getting worried about next season already. More than likely, I might have some sort of uh, altered release schedule, too. And, you know, like I said, patreon.com slash westsidefairytales. If you're particularly interested in supporting the podcast and making next season happen, that's where you need to go. Throw your, throw your pennies, in the, uh, pennies in the pot, and we will get this all rolled out. But, um, yeah, enough of that. Enough of that. Well, actually, this is also Patreon stuff, but... I am going to be doing some side projects that are uh, not related to maybe just, I guess you would say, narrative construction. Just because I need things to do that aren't writing or sound editing to kind of keep myself going. I, I don't really know how to explain this better than just basically, it, I, will, I will fucking go insane and snap if I don't have other things to do to occupy some of my time that are, are not creativity based well not necessarily even creativity based but like literally typing like i don't i can't be i can't be typing and uh and and doing narrative construction heavy narrative construction all the time it really it really overheats the old processor you know i just need i need a break and so i try to do some visual arts stuff and uh even some (laughs) mathematical art stuff in any case, I'll get right to it. We are going to be, or I'm going to be kind of working on the side and, like I said, get on the Discord, especially if you like this. Uh, on the side, I'm going to be working on, the first project is a tabletop RPG. Um, people have been kind of fervently asking for a West Side Fairy Tales TTRPG or TTRPG rules that could be applied to another uh, another system. If you guys don't know what a tabletop RPG that is, is a tabletop RPG is that is a game that's uh, similar to Dungeons and Dragons, dice rolls, chances, critical hits, pen and paper, um, that sort of thing. Obviously, th- this doesn't really require a lot of work for me, so don't worry about me just getting completely distracted. It's it's functionally speaking going to be me sitting down and writing out rules I've already established for the canon. Um, and actually, if you want to listen to the two hour long, um, just raw discussion I did on how the tabletop game would work, functionally speaking, it's all, it's all still kind of not written out yet, but I've, I've been thinking about it for years. Um, that's on the Patreon. So go ahead and hit that up. And, um, I'm, I'm probably going to be doodling at that a little bit during the regular season when I don't have to be doing um, audio editing and stuff. And I I have all of those times free. I'm I'm still going to be doing horror and lit clubs, I think, because of the different kind of rhythm of these. I I, I believe that this is going to be an easier way to do it, just kind of 
sitting down, chatting about, you know, what's been going on in horror and lit um, recently. And I think I might be trying to um, connect with some indie presses out there and maybe maybe scaring up some interviews or doing some sort of cross-pollination that way because, you know, uh, marketing, 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 blah, 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 blah. Uh, third thing, um, and I need to do this. This is actually something I need to do um, for the podcast too. Uh, I'm going to be making a card game, which I've been working on. Don't don't even, I, that might sound like I'm going to just like sit down and start doing it. Uh, I think what I really need, how I really need to explain this is I'm going to finally draw the cards out for a game I have been working on for five years now <laughs> and uh, is actually a thematic element in multiple stories and multiple timelines of the West Side Fairy Tales greater canon. It's called Moons. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I won't, I won't get into it too much. Again, if you want to hear more about that stuff, that is all on the Patreon. And I think it's going to be a blast. I, I really, I'm really excited about, <laughs> I'm really excited about doing those and, uh, and trying to figure out some way to print the fucking things up. And maybe, I, I mean, more than likely, if I can figure out a, a cheap, effective way to get those out. I have no idea how cards are printed, but yeah, I, I would, I would, I would consider making that a uh, a thing you could buy. I'm not gonna lie; it would probably be terribly expensive because uh, printing is always expensive unless you do it in bulk, 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 bulk printing. And um, I, I don't think I'm gonna sell four thousand moon card game things but i don't know maybe i could throw it up on kickstarter or something and if we get enough uh if we get enough juice enough action there you know i would uh i would consider doing printing but I, mass printing i'm going to be making a set of cards at least for myself and uh, you guys can see how they work and shit because I, I need them mainly so that i can keep track of them um because card games being played with those cards is going to be a major thing um, in the future. And yes, I have enough rules for, for that. Um, but, and to clarify, this is more like a, uh, like a 52, king, 52 card kings and queens um, English card deck. Or actually, more, more accurately, it's very like a tarot deck. Um, and tarot being, you know, not like Renaissance Fair... Renaissance Fair fortune telling. Um, tarot was actually used as a as a cards to play cards. You know the same way that you play cards with uh, the fifty two kings and queens deck. Typically in in the Western world, uh, those cards were used for a long time to play card games, and then people started using them to do fortune telling. And I'm kind of reverse engineering that, and uh, I don't want to use tarot because it's it's so fucking played out. And hey, why not make your own fucking card game? How cool is that? And I'm I'm going to do that. So. <laughs> Maybe I will at least, uh, I'll make it so that you could like buy the uh, schematics for them or something. And I guess I'm going to have to talk to Yui. I'm probably going to have Yui draw them. Maybe. I'm not sure. God, that's, that's a lot of work for her. <laughs> I haven't given her a bunch of money lately. So maybe I, maybe I, need, to, uh, I need to give Miss Yui a bunch of money and have her, have her draw up a card game, a card deck game for me. But yeah, it's, uh, it's based on the phases of the moons. And, uh, and, and some of the lore of the West Side fairy tales. So it, it, it's, it's fully canon. And um, I think it'll be really cool if I can get it out. If I can't, you know, hey, um, at least I have it, which is really what matters to me. 
and I can play with my friends here and maybe I'll tell you guys about it and take some pictures. What, what, what do you say? Um, and then the uh, last thing I'm doing, just because I need something, um, re- this is the most like I need to take my mind off stuff. I have just been getting into these ruts um, and I think I'm just, I'm, I'm just overworking myself. I really am. I, I complain about this stuff all the time, but I did write an entire goddamn novel. I thought it was going to be next season of the podcast, but it's not. And so <laughs> I went from being slightly ahead, slightly ahead to considerably behind in the, uh, in, in the making of next season. So um, I've been playing catch up with that, but now I'm already almost 8,000, 80,000, sorry, not 8,000. Uh, 80,000 words into, into the new season. And I will fight anybody, my wife included, who tries to, who tries to, uh, to prevent me from releasing um, Sin Carriers. There's a, there's a title drop for you next season. And uh, I think Sin Carriers is going to be a blast. I, I already like it better than Scars in Time. No offense to Scars in Time. It's not even fucking finished yet. But, you know, they're really, they're really incomparable. Scars in Time is a very small uh, story. Ultimately, it's, it's very enclosed. I mean, if you think about it, if you really think about it, literally every fucking chapter in this, with the exception of, of a few, takes place in the exact same house and really only like a few different rooms in it. So, it, which is all intentional, you know. Sometimes I think of uh, Scars in Time as like a, uh, like it could be a stage play. Not that I'm going to do that, but it just has a lot of, a lot of the feeling in my mind of a, of a stage play set design wise and stuff. You know, you would have like the different levels of the house. It it is what it is. Don't 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 get excited, but and don't get worried. I'm not going to try to make a fucking stage play out of scars and time. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be. I'm, I've I've I'm teach, teaching myself game design on the side because. I, uh, I, I keep getting into these ruts where I just like, I buy a new game and then I just play it for fucking 10 hours. I play it to death, literally 100% completion as fast as I can, hard mode, and just like, I, I just obliterate games lately. And I, I think that's not good. I, I think that's a, kind of a runaway mechanism. I'm definitely in a position where I cannot really read which I think is actually getting to me. I haven't read a book in fucking forever. I still read. I read constantly, but all the stuff that I read is, you know, uh, I read technical manuals for rifles that uh, went out of, that became obsolete in 19 or 1895, you know, old Mausers. I read uh, like random political treatises from back in the day. I'm, I'm reading tons upon tons of fucking biographies and then Wikipedia pages and research articles, a, a ton of nonfiction. So don't, don't get in your head. I, 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 there's this um, old saying that irritates the fuck out of me. And it's like um, somebody who, who doesn't read should, or, or somebody who doesn't read shouldn't be writing or, or you shouldn't be writing more than you read. And, and, and uh, people, especially in the uh, fiction industry, seem to take that. They, I think they honestly believe that that means novels, which is, that's, that's fucking stupid. That, that's dumb. Stop saying that. Uh, 
that's that's not what any of the people that said that meant in the first place. Because back when that quote was made, there wasn't even that many fucking novels. Like you couldn't, there wasn't that much shit to read and there wasn't anything else to do. So you'd burn yourself out. What that means is in the grand scheme of things, if you aren't reading a lot, you shouldn't be writing a lot. As in take in more than you create, which is a good, that's good advice. I'll leave it there and start talking about stuff. Um, speaking of, 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 of mis, mismanaged creativity, uh, let's talk about Resident Evil 8 Village, which I've been wanting to talk about for forever. It's, uh, not forever, but for, for like a month. It, it, was, it was very strong in my mind, and it's stuck. And I do think I'm over my, uh, my honeymoon phase, and I can think about it critically. And it really does need some, some criticality uh, dropped onto it. So anyone who doesn't know, Resident Evil is ostensibly the eighth, eighth um, main title, I guess you would say, in the Resident Evil franchise, that being one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven is uh, Biohazard, it's called, which is actually the real Japanese name of all of the Resident Evils. And in Japan, it's called Biohazard, one, two, three, four, five, whatever. Um, but it is not the eighth total title in the franchise, I think there's something in the order of like 30 Resident Evil games. You know, you've got all of the spinoffs. Code Veronica, Umbrella Files, Umbrella Chronicles, some survival shit. There was a first-person shooter for a while. I think there's some card games. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it, there, there's, a, there's a ton of Resident Evil content. And of course, you have the remakes of Resident Evil 1, 2, and, uh, and now 3. They've all, been, they've all been remade to some degree. And 5 and 6 were not good. 7 was pretty great. Pretty great. A little sparse in my, in my mind. I did not like the base enemies in 7. If you can think back to them, they are uh, just black goo things. <laughs> Immortal black goo things that you have to kind of shoot to pieces, and um, and that's pretty much it. And then you have uh, the sort of constant threat of the uh, family in there, but it it, it is what it is. Uh, Resident Evil Eight takes a page out of Resident Evil 4's book. Resident Evil Four is my favorite Resident Evil. I love it. I love Resident Evil Four. It's so much fucking fun. If you don't remember, Resident Evil Four is like literally, are you a bad enough dude to save the president's daughter? Leon S. Kennedy from Resident Evil 2 is the sole player character. Well, not tech, not literally for the main plot, but you can also play as Ada Wong, but we don't, we don't talk about that. Leon S. Kennedy goes to uh, somewhere in Spain, and he has to go get, what's her, Ashley Graham, the president's daughter, back. She disappeared on like a school trip. I can't ever remember how she actually got kidnapped, but she was kidnapped. And she is, has been taken inside of this village in the uh, in the hills like kind of like uh you know the flat not the flatlands um the uh, the lowlands here and there's it's like a cool cold fall atmosphere all the leaves are sort of sort of off the trees and there's leaves on the ground and it's uh it, it it's like just got a great brown chilly vibe and um it, it's wonderful 
it's a very explorable world. You do get like, once you go through a certain area, you can't really go back. But there's so much to find in each individual little area. You have like little uh, things hanging up in trees that you can shoot down and sell. There's boxes everywhere full of crap. There are little antiques in that that you can find to sell. There's a bunch of like puzzles. There's a lot of great enemies. The enemy designs in 4 are some of my favorite. They're, they're just all over the place. They're, the base design is this thing called a ganado, I think which means sheep. They are parasite-controlled villagers. You can shoot them to pieces. Later on, once the moon sets, these uh, things, these big centipede things start coming out of their fucking necks. And uh, all, of the, all of the bosses are sort of themed thusly. And then there's, you know, um, like dogs, dogs with big things coming out of their necks. Bugs and uh, giants. There's tons of boss enemies and mini boss enemies and uh, some really great um, encounters, really great boss encounters. Uh, one of my favorites is the giant fish. And uh, I guess people playing it these days are like, the giant fish is not that great. And I'm like, dude, look, all right. I know that this game has fucking, it has uh, cutscene quick time events that are, or boss fights are quick time events. It has a lot of old school, corny, flashing quick times just during combat or for random things. But motherfucker, this game came out in like 2003, 2004, I think. And I played the ever-living shit out of it. It is very likely... This is the one of, if not the last games I played through start to finish before joining the military and, uh, and, and basically having my life go down the toilet for four years. So I, I, have, it, it, I have a very special part, uh, place in my heart for Resident Evil 4. But I think the best part of it is it does feel very whole cloth. There are um, three basically three main boss bad guys throughout the entire thing that have enough intellect to actually serve as a, you know, foils to you. The first is the priest. I cannot remember his name, but he's a giant, giant dude, kind of like a, uh, kind of like a nemesis. He, a lot of throat grabbing and squeezing, holding people up off the ground. Very tall. You fight him. He doesn't talk too much, but he talks a little bit. But, you know, he's sort of an uh, ever-present threat in the first half of, or first third of the game. In the second third of the game, you get um, Sattler. And Sattler, hey, everybody, this is, uh, this is Tyler popping in from the editing booth at the end of our, well after I've, I've recorded this. Just uh, letting you guys know that I completely fucked this guy's name up for the entirety of this short description. His name is Ramon. Salazar, that's what the little dude's name is. Sadler is actually the name of the main bad guy at the end of the game, whose name I, I, I uh, think I coincidentally cannot remember later on. So that's just a note. Uh, in case anybody's really familiar with RE4, don't, don't, don't blow me up in the comments. Thanks, and uh, <laughs> I'll see you later. Or Sadler is my, uh, one of my favorite villains in gaming. He is a absolutely diminutive little uh, Napoleon thing that wears a three-cornered hat and kind of is, he looks like an old man, but he also looks like a child. And then when Leon makes fun of him, he's like, how dare you? I am only 32 years old. 
fucking. Oh, he's great. And he's a shit talking little fuck. Uh, he sets traps for you. He's always cackling. He's got these two quiet bodyguards that are always flanking him. And he sends one after you. And it's awesome. And then he turns into a giant boss when you fight him. Sadler. He's, he's fucking great. By the time you get to his boss form and you're basically shooting his fucking head to death, you're, you're very satisfied. When you kill that little fuck, it's just the best part of the game. And the good thing is, is the game doesn't go downhill after that. It kind of shakes your hand. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Tips its hat and is like, all right, we're done with this part. Now it's time for normal Resident Evil shit, which is you did the castle, it's time for the factory, and then you go to factory shit. And, and the factory stuff is also kind of 
omnipresent throughout the early stages of the game in Little Bitch. Like, wow, that's a lot of mechanical dilly-doo for this fucking, <laughs> for this, this uh, village that's out in the middle of nowhere where they had like wooden butter churns and a fucking hand-cranked well. But uh, for some reason, you guys have a very highly complex uh, lift system here. That's, that's interesting. It is what it is. But um, uh, it, it kind of creates, like, like I said, a really whole cloth atmosphere start to finish throughout the entirety of Resident Evil 4. And by the time you get to the last third, which is just fucking off the walls, you kind of get to, um, you get to eat all of the first cake and then you get a whole new second cake that's also pretty good. The first part is just that wonderful, dusky, moody fall in Europe atmosphere where it's like you can almost just kind of feel the condensation gathering on his gun when it fires and like that way that the 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 gun smoke will just sit in the air a little bit longer when it's when it's fall and the weather's wet just kind of hover there and you can smell it just you know I'm 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 being I'm being generous with this probably if you look at the game now and you're like, wow, that looks like shit. Keep in mind, it's almost 20 years old now, which is insane to think. But uh, at the time, it was great and the atmosphere was fucking perfect, man. Perfect. I would say atmosphere-wise, Resident Evil and then uh, Resident Evil 4 and then a few Silent Hill games are like the tippity-tip-tip-top of my, my whole layout. And it's because of just that, that kind of rhythm. And the enemies are just these filthy peasants with with pitchforks and fucking scythes, and then all of a sudden a dude with a fucking paper bag on his head and a goddamn chainsaw that will one hit you, which is awesome. And you can sort of like you you're sort of a little bit more competent than you maybe should be for the situation because Leon will be like you know shooting at people kind of ta ta ta, and then they'll like fall on their knee and then you do like a giant spinning back kick, which is fucking great, and you jump out of stuff. But in general, you know, it's, it's grimy and gross and you get the, the feeling of uh, just mold on wood and it's, it's, it's amazing. And the more you go into it, you're, you're worried. You're like, oh, I can feel the sickness kind of like infesting this place, but it all feels very natural. Like it's been going on for a while and stuff. And I think there are um, like little, yeah, there's little notes and stuff that you can read that talk about like, oh, the father came back and he's changed and blah, 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 blah. All the men go to the church and when they come back, they come back different. And you get a feeling for how alive this town is. And you can kind of see why the, how these villagers were before they died. Like their, 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 their world was sort of not frozen in time, but sort of just crawled to a standstill in a very sad way. But there's all these houses and then there's farms and there's boats and shit and little areas and churches. And it's, it's, it's very real, and I like it. And you explore tons of it the entire fucking time. It's amazing. So by the time you get to the third act, and then I, I will get all back to all of this when we go through, uh, when, we, when we talk about Resident Evil Village. By the time you get to the third act, you have to get to, you know, uh, how did this all start? You know what I mean? Like, 
we need to we need to approach our final boss and it really does it becomes a completely different game which is kind of important by the way because when you start this game out you've got like a pump shotgun and like i think like a fucking bolt action hunting rifle and a basic pistol but you keep picking up nicer and nicer stuff throughout the castle until you're like what man i've got like a fucking psg1 sniper rifle with a fucking like eight round mag i've got a street sweeper drum fed uh, shotgun and my normal gun's got a fucking buttstock and a goddamn like double laser sight on it and shit. Semi-automatic fire. I'm feeling like a fucking badass. I got tons of grenades and shit. So they they're like, all right, hey, third act. By the way, umbrella did it. And you're like, oh no way, really? And they're like, yeah, bet you didn't see that coming. Wink, wink. But yeah, Saddler just kind of shakes your hands like, I hope you enjoyed my castle. I am dead. Continue on. And then you kind of just go to these, this fucking uh, fort. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a fucking fort. <laughs> uh, a modern military, concrete and glass. There's all sorts of, of uh, mechanical devices and steel. The enemies now have, like, guns and flamethrowers and shit and are considerably more dangerous. And it, it's fucking awesome. Because the whole time when you're kind of leveling up into this different story, you know, it gets a little bit cornier and cornier. Leon talks shit to everybody and there's a lot of great like action one-liners. I can't remember any of them off the top of my head, but his conversations with Sadler are fucking amazing. Like just pissing that little asshole off is the best. And then you get to this place and it's fucking wild. And they managed to make it scary again because they introduced new enemies, like deep, deep in the game, new enemies that are considerably different. And uh, you have to, you have to approach them differently and they can, they can basically one shot kill you, if not two shot kill you. And you've got to, you've got to address them in a different way. They're legendary, actually. If you know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, uh, the the regenerators, which are fucking amazing. It's like one of my best, one of the best enemies in any game, especially given the bad-ish controls of the time. The only way to kill them is to look at them through a uh, an infrared scope and shoot out the individual parasites in their body so that they'll actually stop regenerating. Fucking awesome! And they lay on the floor twitching. <laughs> and then pop straight off the floor and into your neck and bite you. Dope. So dope. And then you get to this this third area, and your boss is Krauser, who apparently you knew. I don't know. I think he might be referenced in a different game, but I don't know who Krauser is before Resident Evil 4. And he's a badass. He's like an action movie villain. He's got a scarred-up face. You get into, and I'm not kidding, it's the hardest part of the game, bar none, this ridiculous... 20 second 30 second long quick time battle with this asshole where any move you any mistake you make is like leon dies and there's an animation for every death that kind of keeps it interesting so like you got to press r2 and l2 at the same time and if you miss it like you get hit in the face with a fucking knife and it's like in leon's head and he falls down and then there's like one where he gets like his stomach slit or his throat slashed or I think one of them's really lame. He just gets like kneed in the face and he just like falls down and then Krauser laughs at him. Krauser's the bad guy. That's not even the boss fight with him. You do that and then you go into like the super high tech area and there's a fucking, there's a room with lasers in it that is one of my favorite things ever. Um, <laughs> it 
<laughs> it's just ridiculous. Basically, you've got to kind of like walk between the lasers. And then once you get to the end, there's a quick time event and you have to do a gigantic running backflip over the over all of them. And they turn off and the door opens. It's so dumb and I love it. And then you fight Krauser and he's got a giant arm and he's running around and he's shooting a fucking gun at you. And then you get to the final boss eventually if you do all this technical stuff and you're in labs and shit. And it's a completely different game, but it's fine because you kind of like earned this new action game. And it's a chance to really show off your shit because if you brought all of your equipment back to the first village, you just fucking lay waste to them, dude. They, like they, You have military technology and you started with just like a fucking dog shit ass nine mil. So the last boss is, is, is the man himself motherfucking uh, Alf Wesker. It's fucking Wesker, who's the best. And he's super cool, absolute douchebag, shit-talking, fucking prick. And he's a callback to an earlier game. First and foremost, he's the bad guy in the original Resident Evil. And he has been purposefully injecting himself with all of the cells, the T-cells, the G-cells, the fucking... Ganados, Parasite, he's a fucking beast. And he he mutates and becomes cooler and cooler, and then eventually he turns into a giant thing, and Ada Wong throws you a red rocket launcher that's somehow different than your normal rocket launcher, and you blow him off into the water. And she double-crosses you, and then you have to drive a jet ski out of the fucking mountain, and then when you get done, uh, Ashley Graham, who you rescued, Big Booba, uh, president daughters like basically like yo Leon do you want to fuck because that was pretty dope and you're super hot and he's like no dude I'm a professional and he drives away into the sunset it's the best fucking game it's the best fucking game I don't give a shit it's my favorite action horror game there are no better ones there aren't they don't fucking exist I refuse because it just it's everything. It's it gave you the Resident Evil, and then it gives you the Resident Evil four, and and it just strikes such a perfect balance that is never achieved again. It was so good that they tried to redo it again in five, and I guess six. I guess six, and uh, five I played, and five was boogers. Five was five was boogers bordering on like, is this racist? Because I do feel like I am just killing black people. I, uh, <laughs> that's the fucking beginning. You're, you're Chris Redfield, who's like a six foot four, 390 pound fucking lump of mass white dude from America who just starts greasing black dudes in this fucking random African village uh, because they, they're, they're, they're like coming for him. <laughs> You know, I guess it's not like really racist, racist, but it's sure, it's sure like oddly uncomfortable. Like, I don't really know how to explain it anymore, but it is. Five was not great. Five's action sequences to the end are so fucking over the top that it's just absurd. You know, it's like, uh, ugh. very, very, very deep level Rambo, <laughs> bad, bad later Rambo movies. Um, and uh, I never played six. Six just didn't appeal to me at all. It didn't look like a Resident Evil game in, in the least. Uh, and I wasn't interested in playing it. So that gets us into Resident Evil 8. And Resident Evil 8 is almost like kind of... It's not a shot-for-shot shot remake of Resident Evil 4, but they tried to include literally every part of it, but just like, hey, we, we did it different, but you, you know, you see it. So first off, I hate the village in Resident Evil Village. It sucks. And 
The main reason it sucks is because it's just one fucking area that you go back through a bunch of times. And I don't even think it's that much bigger than the starting village, quote unquote, in the original um, Resident Evil 4. In Resident Evil 4, you, uh, you go into this one area and it's kind of like notorious because it was in all the, the, the previews. It's, it's where everybody starts and it's great. It's multi-tiered. You push shit in front. You, you block off entrances. You're in a gigantic fight. And I think it literally has to take like five minutes of fighting, which feels like forever. And you're running out of resources, but it's dope. And then a bell rings and it kind of just ends. And all the things walk away and Leon stands in the middle of everything. He's like, what the hell? There's fucking, there's a goddamn dude's corpse burning in the fucking town square. It's one of these police officers that were with you when you, when you got there. It's dope. It's dope and it's dope and it's dope. And then they sort of recreate that in this Resident Evil, but it starts off with just bad plot stuff. It's, it's dumb. The guy from the last one, his name is Ethan Winters. He's got a, a wife named, fuck, I can't remember her name. And he says it like a million times. She's a boring dog shit character. She's from the first game. And she's infected with some some fungus that makes you gives, gives you gives you the superpowers. Chris Redfield yet again just ruining things. Chris, god damn it, cut it the fuck out. He pops in. He like blows your wife away. He steals your kid. He kidnaps you. He says nothing to you, and then you guys like leave. And then you sort of just like wake up outside of this village, and it still doesn't make sense to me why you were that close to the village. <laughs> they tell you that Chris was like, hey, you have to go live here to keep you safe from stuff because of uh, the events of Resident Evil 7. And she's like, yeah, we're just kind of adapting to it. Blah, 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 blah. And no, man, it's, <laughs> it, it starts off ugly, but it's kind of fun. You're in the woods, you know, it's, it's super snowy. You can barely see. There's clearly things around you. But also, like, you don't have a gun, and you're you're kind of just like a dude on his own. It's real scary. You're sort of hiding from things, which is fine. It's if, if you want to have a different feel where you, like, try to hide from stuff, cool. Cool. I, I get it. It's, it's your mechanics. You do what you want. But it's also very much a... Uh, you're just kind of forcing the action along. It's all set pieces. You're not really interacting with anything. There's no real danger of you doing anything but getting bored, trying to stand still, making something happen. Maybe maybe something will, but you know, I, I kind of even tested it and, it and it didn't. You go into the first part of the village and um, the village looks great. I really appreciate it. Um, it, it definitely has the lived-in feel. Um, it, this isn't kept up, but all of the the places are are clearly like there, and you know, you can see like the the results of monster attacks, and some of the places have been boarded up and stuff. But um, you 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 kind of just creepy creep crawl through this, and you pick up some items and shit, and then eventually you find an old guy who gives you a gun, and he has a shotgun, and then he gets dragged up into the ceiling, and then the game starts. You, you shoot at some werewolves and you realize that they're the, the main bad guys, by the way, are, are quote unquote lichens, uh, which are like these um, sort of like werewolfy type dudes who will uh, who will chew on you and bite you. And they do little duck dip dive duck and dodges to get close to you, which is cool because, you know, the enemies in, in Resident Evil 4 did the same thing so that you can just like easily line up a million headshots and then just, you know, mow down a crowd of people with a few bullets 
And uh, they take a million fucking hits, a million fucking hits. Like literally, I think a magazine to kill just one in the in the beginning, uh, at least on the difficulty I played through, which I, I can't remember what difficulty I played through on, but I digress. You, you, you cap them a few times, you explore this village, which, and it's kind of just you sort of hiding and then you run into one or two zombies at a time that you don't, you, you feel exceptionally weak because of how strong they are, which, you know, I get if that's the feeling that you're going for, you're going for it. And then they do a sort of reprise of the original scene from um, Resident Evil 4, which is done in a kind of inversive way. You just go until you get your ass kicked and then it ends. <laughs> and it, it's a big, it's a big cutscene. It's it's a blast. Don't get me wrong. These guys are running around with fucking dudes on burning corpses on spikes while they're riding horses. There's fucking fire arrows coming down out of the sky. You actually think I thought for a second when the fire arrows started happening that I was like, oh cool, there's gonna be villagers that are helping me repel these assholes, and that's them. And it's like, no, those are the assholes. <laughs> they're shooting at me. God damn it. Um, and you get hit in the leg with one, I think. It, it is what it is. And that's that's sort of that's sort of it for the inside of the village. That that's kind of the most fun you ever have there. Um after that, the the village opens up at various points throughout the game. You can only ever go through so much of it at a time until the very end of the game, at which point it all opens up again. So, you know, you can go into sectors one, three, and five after you before you beat boss one. You can go into sectors three, five, and six after that boss. You can go to three, five, six, and one after that. You can only go to one, two, and three after that, and then you can go to all of them or wherever the fuck. And you know, um, there there's there's some exploration to be done, and there's there's boxes to be found. And if you get a certain item or a few different types of items, actually, you can open up areas that are that are locked. But the entire village is fairly small uh, to the point where I think if you zoom the map out and look, there's only like twenty or so houses in this in this village center. And I just feel like it could have been much larger, and really, it should have been much larger. I, I kind of think aesthetically what it should have been closer to is Yarnum from uh, Bloodborne in which, you know, you have a whole lot of areas to go to um, in, in each specific spot and maybe you can't get to all of them, but it doesn't really open up like that. You know, you, you find your first key, you go to the first boss house. And unfortunately the first boss is the in the first boss area, you got four boss areas, quote unquote, and they're they're mini levels inside the game. The first one is the largest. I'm gonna say by far, maybe it might be the same size as the fourth one, but it the first and fourth are absolutely massive. The first area, I believe, is actually bigger than the village itself. It's like. 10 stories or something ridiculous, seven stories, not like all of them are completely full, but the first or the main three stories are huge. They're, they're giant. It's basically like, um, you know, any mansion from a, from a resident evil game. You go, you find different keys for different doors. You solve problems that let you get into certain areas. And at a certain level, um, area, the, the, the big booba vampire lady, lady from all of the memes, she, she's the boss there. She comes and starts hunting you. And she'll follow you around and take swipes at you. Now, I'm upset with this because there is a mechanic in every other goddamn Resident Evil game, I guess, except for this one, where if you take the time to fight down the boss creature while they're chasing you, 
they'll fall down and be temporarily stunned and usually drop a major item. So it's like, hey, survival horror, do I want to waste 12, 50 fucking whatever the hell rounds on this person to try to drop them once? And then, uh, and then they, they drop an item and I can get it and then, you know, upgrade stuff. So like, um, in, in, uh, most of the other Resident Evils, I think you, you take out like Tyrant and Nemesis and stuff and they drop chunks of like you, things that you assemble to make like super guns later in the game or, 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 or super gun, you know, parts to upgrade your normal rifle. It's cool. It gives you an opportunity to fight uh, an optional mini boss during exploration, which I really, really appreciate. And also to get them the fuck off your back for a while because, you know, they can body block areas and make solving certain puzzles that they can get to will get to you while you're doing a pain in the ass. But I, I saved and I unloaded literally every round I have into Lady Dimitrescu and she didn't. Dimitrescu, I think is actually how you say it. I'm never going to get that right. I have terrible French names. She, uh, yeah, she just shrugs, she just shrugs them off. So she's kind of just like a mild irritation. She's not even really that dangerous. She's super slow. I just, you just jog around her the whole time. She does talk some shit to you, which is fun. I like it. And she's also got her daughters, which are much more dangerous. Actually, they're considerably more deadly because just even being like in the same room as them is a, is a health drain because of the way that their powers work. But you slowly kill them off and then you kill her off. And then that, that level ends and you, first off, you can't ever even go back to it, which kind of sucks because I missed some exploration things that you don't even realize that you can't even go back into while you're in there. And then, um, there was other stuff that I missed while I was in there that I wanted to go back and try to solve and get, and I, and I couldn't do it. And I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still a little salty about that because I feel like being able to clear an area and then reinspect it is like, you know, kind of par for the course these days, especially considering you don't have to like, you, I, I'm playing this on a fucking computer in 2021. Like, dude, I've got the RAM, I've got the RAM and I've got the memory. You can have multiple areas and, and stuff loaded in at one time. You don't have to, you don't have to do me like that. <laughs> and, and because it's so exploration heavy, whatever. But, you know, in Resident Evil 4, you kind of can't go back either. But also, it was very clear that you weren't going to get be able to go back because you were sort of searching for somebody and um, going deeper into this area. And in this case, you have a hub world that you keep returning to. And just that makes me feel like Metroidvania type things or, or, or dark souls where I should be able to go and re-explore an area after I've, after I've been there with the, you know, notable exception of like maybe a few spots that get destroyed or something, but they don't let you go back. And there's really no reason to not let you go back by the way, because, you know, um, I, I would like to go back there and like test enemy weapons on enemies and shit, but, but they don't. And so once Lady Dimitrescu's part is, is taken care of, you go to the second area, which is uh, the doll, the doll lady, um, Donna Bienaventure, Bonventure. I can't remember. I think it means good wind. Um, Bienventana. I can't remember. I, I don't speak any Italian. Lo siento. But um, the uh, you go to the second area, and the second area is dope. It's all fucking puzzles, but it's very small. It's a very small, pretty short area. I think you can get through it. Even even at a slow, like, plotting, explorative pace, I think you get through it in about 30 minutes, tops. And if you knew the answers to all the puzzles, 
I couldn't imagine it taking you more than about five minutes, really. But it's got a bunch of really cool set pieces. You do a an autopsy on a doll of your of your ostensibly dead wife. Uh, and it's it's made out of wood and you kind of take it apart and all the pieces are like parts to other puzzles or they're clues to solve puzzles and it's fucking awesome. And then the best scare in the fucking game happens. And I won't get into it, but babies. And everyone who's played knows, babies. And that part of the game is fucking amazing. I love it. And it ends terribly. It's dog shit. The boss... Is the boss is literally a game of hide and seek that is uh, not fun, particularly. You just go and you you run around, and I don't even know if there's like a any penalty for being slow. Like I, I haven't seen anybody purposefully fail it, and my friend has played through on all of the extreme difficulties, and he's like, I messed it up a few times, and I never died, or I think even took damage. But you go, you find a doll three times, and you stab it in the head, and it dies, and then that's it, which is kind of disappointing. I don't know how they would have done it better. But I feel like you could have done something better. It really sucks too because the basement in that house where most of the game, that that section takes place, is like really good, like sci-fi, or not sci-fi, Silent Hill level creepy. If you've ever played PT, um, it reminds me of that significantly. And it's great. You don't have any weapons. You can't shoot at anything. You just have to run away and and, and hide under beds and stuff. It's, It's fucking amazing. And from there, the game falls apart completely, almost. Like, really, that bad that bad interaction with that doll is sort of the beginning of the end of the game. And you remember how I was talking about Resident Evil 4, where there's kind of a constant voice of different of different bosses throughout each part, you know? And you're, you're sort of talking to people. You talk to Krauser. You talk to, I think you talk to Wesker toward the end of that. And uh, obviously, Sattler's there for most of the middle section of the game. And he's just fucking amazing. There is no version of that in this game that's good. The only person you get is Heisenberg. And Heisenberg is the uh, lord of the fourth castle. He's the, the last boss you fight before going to the end. He is a dog shit character. I don't know who thought anything that he did was cool. His voice actor is actively infuriating. I can't even do like uh, a good impression of him because I kind of scrubbed it in my mind, but he just sounds like they were just like, I almost feel like somebody was just like sound more pompous. This dude sounds like fucking R slash atheism. Like, and I don't know what you think you're doing. (laughs) I can't even do a good impression. I feel cringy just even trying it, but he's just, he's just fucking hashtag not good. And um, he's not very interesting either because his his backstory is a good backstory template. He's upset because apparently there's a fourth, fifth person, by the way. There's a, a Mother Maria, whatever the fuck her name is. There's a main boss in this game who is never mentioned really, although she's sort of there, but also like not. Um, and she apparently abducted all of the people that are there and turned them into whatever they are, but you only find that out through side things. And he's upset with her and wants to kill her and sort of wants your help, but not really. It's all very confusing. And um, uh, you're trying to get your daughter back, by the way, which is also like, (laughs) 
I don't know. It's there. The, the, the thing in Resident Evil 4 is you don't mind fucking around and trying to solve all these problems because you find the president's daughter and ostensibly rescue her five, maybe, maybe 15, 20 minutes into the game. And then she's like with you for most of the game, um, which, you know, whatever, it's, it's an escort thing, but she's one of the best people to escort in any game ever. She's kind of irritating, but trust me, before Ashley Graham escort missions were pure cancer. And then after her, like things started to get better. Although still escort missions aren't great bot escort missions, but she's, she's, she ducks. She doesn't let you shoot her. And, and, and she doesn't just actively walk into all of the danger ever. She is kind of dumb, but it is what it is. She's with you. So when you're fucking around solving problem puzzles and playing shooting mini games and, and, and talking shit with this trader, the the trader that sells you stuff, not a traitor. Um, you don't feel like you're wasting time. However, in this game, you find out very shortly that your daughter has been split up into pieces. Uh, the first piece of her that you find is her head in a jar. So, uh, minor spoiler: it's it's not even that good. You can't see the head; it's just goo. And uh, so you're trying to rebuild your possibly deceased goo daughter, and um, the 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 amount of uh, Urgency, I believe, that that requires is not really shown in Ethan's actions outside of cutscenes. Because you spend a lot of time, like, hunting animals so that you can make recipes to increase your block damage, your damage blocking ability permanently, which is stupid. I think I used the block 10 or 15 times when I was uh, too low level to just instantly kill things. And then by the time you get to the end of the game, I don't know who the fuck is using the block mechanic, but it's there. It's there for you if you want to use it. But yeah, just Heisenberg is sort of your motivating like guy. So like Ethan really has nobody to talk to. And so they jam Chris Redfield into the game. And Chris Redfield is basically your Ada Wong. Ada Wong is a um, Asian American, I believe, um, spy, corporate spy, who is sort of a foil to Leon Kennedy. And uh, they flirt, you know, and they're, they're, she's hot. She wears a, for some reason, she wears like a, a high cut red dress on this mission. But it's, it's great because it's action horseshit and she's a femme fatale. She's wonderful because she's a smart ass. Her and, her and, Leon do little fucking combat mini games every time they're together and like she'll pull a gun on him and he'll knock it up with his knife and he'll pull a gun on her and she'll take the magazine out and then they kind of like get really close and they're like oh yeah 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 you're hot and you're like yeah you're hot too that sort of shit it's fun it's absolute it's absolute horse shit it's Iroquois Pliskin Escape from LA amazing I fucking love it I love it when you run into people Ethan Winters is such a little bitch that he just fucking whines all the goddamn time. He is he is a whiny motherfucker. Like, he's lucky somebody else didn't just take his wife just by, like, coming by and being like, hey, man, I'll cut your grass and I will not cry. And then she's just like, well, shit, yeah, fuck it. Look, I really don't know how he's surviving all this stuff. But Chris Redfield is your Ada Wong. And he's just boring and he's stupid. And he's got his friends with him and they all got night vision on and like high-tech military equipment, but they're not just storming the castle, which they do later. They just storm the castle and they use... <laughs> I'll get... Never mind. I'll get to it. Um, but yeah, he's just there and he's just constantly being like, Ethan, it's too dangerous for you to be here. You should leave. But he never, like, helps him leave. 
And like, also, like, he abducted you and dragged you there. So like, why? I'm only here because of you, Chris, you fucking idiot. Like, you couldn't find a highway bypass that wasn't on the fucking dirt road that led straight to this village. Like, what the fuck were you doing, you moron? Um, Chris Redfield being dumb as shit is basically like the entire real plot of this uh, of this uh, of this game. Because if Chris wouldn't be such a fucking moron, nothing would be happening. He has great guns. He could just give you one of his dope ass fucking machine guns. He's got like ten of them. And and then you wouldn't be in anywhere near as much trouble. But he's just like, no, nah, just just do what you need to do, motherfucker. <laughs> you run into him a few times, and then uh, you run into him during the fucking they they redo the fish thing. So I told you the fish, the fish fight in the first one is great because it's kind of like in all the previews, and they don't really show you too much of it. But there's a gigantic mutated. I think it's actually a salamander, and it's like. 90 feet long and its mouth is like 20 feet wide and it doesn't look like a salamander anymore and it's got tentacles on its face and it's under the water in Resident Evil 4 and you've got to cross this lake and it starts off this boss fight where you get kind of hooked to it and it runs at you and you throw fucking spears at it and and, and it, it drags you around and stuff. It's cool. I loved it. Especially at the time it came out, it was the coolest boss fight like around. Especially because it wasn't just like run around, shoot, run around, shoot, pick up ammo, run around, shoot. It's like neat. Non, uh, non-typical combat mechanics. You don't really do the spear throwing at any other point. You don't really even get on a boat at many other points either. But uh, yeah, you, you, you fight this thing and it's great and it dies and you, you get to the other side and Leon's like, I think he says something like, that's the last time I ever go fishing at night. Or some stupid shit. It's fucking awesome. In this game, the third boss is uh, Dr. Moreau. It's the island of Dr. Moreau. And he's like a gross idiot. Like, he, his character's like literally just painfully stupid. Like, he's uh, got part of his brain has been eaten away by the parasite. And uh, he can turn into a giant fish against his will. And the whole his whole level there's a little bit of fighting of non him things but his whole level is kind of just running through this flooded area as fast as you can and his little fish jumps over stuff and you you do some platforming puzzles and and that's sort of it you go up to one side you go through the one side you run into chris and then you 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 get to the thing and you go find a crank and then that's a major item and then you come back and you turn on a windmill and that drains everything and then you go down and he's out of the water and you run around and fight him out of the water which is not Anywhere near as cool as fighting a giant fish that your boat's attached to that you're throwing fucking spears at like goddamn Ahab. Like, it's just not as good. And uh, he bumbles around and spits acid. This entire area is just as short as the um, just as short as the puppet area if you include all the time to get from it out and then back in. And then you, you, you sort of leave there and it's, blah. and then you have your, basically it's the last time to go look at everything before you start the, the last mission. And it's sort of obvious that it is, uh, you, you, you go around, you, you can clear out, there's all sorts of stuff and there's, there's a lot of neat side things. One of my favorite things, and it kind of like goes to the, the quality of the game. There are, um, little, 
ball mazes. I don't know how to describe these things, but if you ever had like the little labyrinth when you were a kid where it was the metal ball and you twisted the two string or the two knobs and it would rotate the platform like up and down and left and right, pitch and yaw and all that. And you try to like move it so that the ball rolls throughout the labyrinth and then falls into the right hole at the end and you got to dodge the other holes. It's like most kids' first video game. That um, is replicated in this game and it's these giant set pieces. They're huge, like a jaw, like a fucking whole dollhouse. And you have to find the specific ball and if you get it through the thing, uh, it gives you like a $20,000 in-game money uh, thing that you can sell, which is cool. All right, that's neat. But the thing is, like they're all stunningly easy except for the last one. Like to the point where it's like, I, I don't understand what the, I feel like you guys should have worked harder on these. No offense, but it's not. It's all of these mechanics are so fucking great. And like, it's such a fun little thing. But the the puzzle is like literally like go left, go up, go right, go down, solved. And then the next two are basically that simple. And then you get to the one that's in Heisenberg's area. The last guy. And it's fucking great. It's got like little moving pieces there's a fucking like a little there, there's all sorts of little sticks that can knock it off half the, the platforms are gone there's an elevator that goes up and down there's a little subway or train rail car that goes side to side and you have to drop the ball in it and then make it fall out of the front on this tiny little ramp that that's fucking awesome i love that and 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 it, it's just like the rest of the game it's just the same sort of thing like you kind of had it but somehow you didn't Anyway, you go to Heisenberg's area last, and it's uh, it's the factory. You always have to go to the dead factory. Uh, that's what the area is called in Resident Evil 3, and I, it's always just st- stuck to me. There's always a set part of every Resident Evil where you go to the dead factory. And in this one, it's really quite literal. There's like fucking, there's like corpses swinging on fucking, uh, on, on trams overhead and stuff. And, and it's a fairly large area, although you do a, a, a substantial amount of, not necessarily retracking, but backtrack, not necessarily backtracking, but like retracking through it. And there's some neat stuff in it. Um, it's the only place where you run into uh, some actually like unique, unique enemies that um, take any sort of special consideration to kill. Every area, I think, has its own unique enemies to a degree um you have the lichens which are basically fucking everywhere that i that i'm not describing the uh the dimitriscu castle has like some ghouls which are basically like um former female servants that are are they're all scrawny and uh scary looking they're like they're little like ghouls they got like swords and shit and scythes very slow moving i think they're like the easiest enemies to kill in the game the uh, puppet area has like reanimated corpses that crawl out of the ground, which are basically the same thing as the ones up north, but they don't have any like cool wispy clothing on. And uh, up north, I mean, by up north, I mean Domestic Skew Castle. And then there's like the, the puppets and stuff, but the puppets don't do anything. So fuck that. Uh, Moreau's area, I feel like it had something I hadn't seen before. No, Moreau's area is just full of normal lichens. So. That's dumb. And then, like, the lichens, some of them have, like, body armor on their head that you got to shoot off and take a few more hits. Uh, oh, my God. Wow. Cool. Uh, and um, when you when you get... And by the way, first off, that is actually a reference to enemies from Resident Evil 4 that are fucking awesome. Um, there, there's an enemy that can only hear you, and you don't even notice it unless you're paying attention. They don't distinctly tell you. 
so you can walk. And if you walk, you can get out of the way and then you can line up some shots on it da, 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 and run. And then when you run to an area, that's the last area you heard you, you can walk. Because if it gets you, it, it'll fucking instant kill you or just damage you so bad it kills you in two because it's got gigantic claws on its fucking things. And I think you have to go behind it and shoot it. I, I can't really remember, but it's super dangerous. And it's like a little small area and you kind of got to, eh, yeah. Yeah, very, very high stakes. And so like, this is that version of that enemy, but it just spawns with normal mob enemies. And it's it's not like especially intelligent. It just, it can just see you like normal and it does charge attacks. I think it does like a little bit more damage and it's got like metal claws on its claw, normal claws, whatever. The one Resident Evil 4 has got like all kinds of surgery and shit. It's got like nails in its back and stuff. Like the fucking armor on it is literally nailed into its skin. And its eyes have been cut out, and I think that's I think that's part of it. Why why it's like that? So cool, so fucking cool. And then a Resident Evil Four, that's that or Resident Evil Village, that's what you get. And you're like, oh come on, man. But the enemies look better because you know it's been twenty years. But uh, and then you go to you know Heisenberg, and Heisenberg's actually got some very interesting new enemies. He's basically been uh, if you've seen Invincible, they basically ripped off Invincible. Um, He's been, he's retrofitting these lichens, corpses with, uh, with like metal parts, right? So some of them have like big claw, hand, hook bullshits and, and some of them have, are they're covered in armor and some of them have two and they all have like glowing things in their chests and stuff. And you've got to shoot, you've got to shoot it apart so that you can hit the glowing part in their chest, which they, they cover it up with their thing and they move sort of very rhythmically and slowly at you and you can try to shoot other parts of them to like slow them down or maybe drop them to their knee or something. You can use flashbangs on them so that they, they get dazed and open up. There's a lot of methodology that you can use in certain areas and like the, 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 the areas that you're in are very cramped. It's all industrial, really dirty. So you have this feeling like, fuck, man, if I, don't, if I don't kill this guy, like I've only got two ways to run away. I'm not that great on health and I'm not that great on ammo. So I need to like really conserve these shotgun rounds for the exact second he opens up and then fucking crack him. And uh, it's, it's great. It's a great section. Like that's, that's awesome that those enemies are like that. The rest of Heisenberg's area isn't that you know, it's the dead factory. Every dead factory in Resident Evil is always the same. It's it's a lot of squares, square patterning. There's always like, there's always an area in every one of these Resident Evil dead factory type places or several areas where it's like, there is a cube you can't go through and around it is like, there's like four cubes, right? And they're equally spaced. And there's like, you know, a hallway of, of, of three lines each. And you run around these hallways and, and eventually like maybe one of the hallways is blocked off or something. And like everything's sort of like that, you know, pillar, hallway, pillar, hallway, pillar, hallway. And uh, yeah, it's got a ton of sections like that. Some of them I was running through and fighting the enemies and I was like, am, am I not fighting the, the, the fucking, the, the first iteration of the mutant boss in Resident Evil 2 again? Because this is, I feel like the exact same fucking area. You know, which might or may not be intentional, but that, that's kind of the feeling you get. The difference is uh, there's no real great upgrade moment when you go to this place where it's like, 
hey man, you're passing beyond the the village section and into this dead factory area, you know, like this 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 cool thing. It's like, all right, you're done with this part of the game. Now it's this part of the game. It just kind of happens, and it's a little eh, eh, eh. There's elevators. <laughs> uh, the cool there is one cool part. And I think yeah, it's uh when you're trying to get in there. You have to fight your way through all the lichens that have like bows and stuff, and you can really tear them up, which is kind of a throwback to the, um, like I was saying, the part where you go to the island in Resident Evil 4. You, you have all this really nice shit. You get a semi-automatic sniper rifle. It's all upgraded. Although you only ever have the semi-automatic sniper rifle. I don't think you have a, I don't think you have a bolt action in this game. Um, your pistol is whatever good pistol that you have. You got a fucking beast of a shotgun, grenade launchers. You got mines you can set down. So, you know, and you, you face these little enemy boss waves, and it's, it's kind of cool. Hey, I need to save my sniper rifle rounds for these, these fucking bow-shooting assholes that can hit me from a million goddamn miles away. And it's, uh, it's neat, and I appreciate it. But um, it ends, and, it, and it, once it's over, it, it is kind of over, and then you get into the dead factory for real, and then you fight those enemies, and, and then that's, that's basically the end of the regular game. You do the Heisenberg boss fight, which is uh, over the top, and <laughs> I don't know, maybe not the best possible way. You run into Chris again, and he's like, hey, it's too dangerous for you here. And you're like, oh, okay, uh, I'm not going to leave. Also, I'm in, I'm in the fucking eighth level sub-basement of a factory full of zombies with fucking plane engines attached to their chests that shoot fire. And I killed one, and I killed like literally Literally like 400 things since I've been here. I have shot so many living creatures to death. I had a gigantic, fat shopkeeper man cook me pen pasta and, and pen, pen pasta and beef. So like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, Chris. I, I don't know where I can go. I don't know what I can do. What, what the fuck? <laughs> why the fuck haven't you called a helicopter for me but you just walk to the middle of town and then you could call in a helicopter and I could just leave but what, what in the fuck is your plan you dingus I digress then you go into the Heisenberg boss fight which isn't even like a pistols boss fight you, you get into a fucking it's kind of cool it's like a uh, flamethrower shooting rocket shooting machine gun shooting attack tractor that you, you drive around and you shoot at him and he's got little glowing parts and you're like, okay, shoot the glowing parts. And then that thing, you fall out of the thing or it, cause he's a magnetic powers and he turns himself into a giant metal spider with a big stupid face on it, which doesn't make any sense. Cause he's still got magic magnet powers. I feel like I would have just been like, all right, uh, I'm going to pick you up by your guns and like throw you over a fence and like, you're done. Go away, Ethan. <laughs> like you could have done that. He's like, no, I'm going to fight you. And uh, yeah, so you shoot him and then you shoot him and then you shoot him and then you shoot him some more and then you shoot him one more time and then you get thrown up into the air and then you get back in your car and you shoot him and then he dies. 
And then the bitch shows up, Mother Miranda, who is, you see from behind once, like five minutes into the game, and you find out later she's also like, she's also like a shapeshifter that turns into the old lady that you also talk to literally only like twice during the game. So what the fuck is even the point of her? And she shows up, and she's so unfamiliar when you see her face. It's supposed to be like, a, oh, it's you, but I don't know who the fuck you are. Why haven't you been talking to me on my, on my little radio headset and stuff? And why haven't you been talking to everybody else? Like, she's in, no, she's in another cutscene. Like, there's a cutscene where you see everybody together, and then you have to go run away from them all. But, like... She's she's just not a fucking character, and she's got six wings, so she's like a fucking angel, and ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. She rips your heart out of your chest, and you fucking die. There, that's it. But you don't really die, and and there's it's whatever. You play as Chris Redfield for a while, <laughs> and at this point, the game kind of goes off the rails. You really do get a feeling where he's like, okay, yeah. All right, maybe it is a little bit too dangerous for Ethan here. But how have you not already cleared this entire fucking area, Chris? Like, Chris shows up with a silenced, uh, like, special forces version of an AK-47, which first off doesn't make any goddamn sense because he's a European. The BSAA is, is considered to be European, and the Europeans would be using NATO rounds because they're in the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. So they would be using some sort of 5.56 variant or a 5.45 uh, or a, um, sorry, 762 by 54 variant, not a 762-39 Warsaw packed round rifle with, 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 by the way, just like obsolete stuff on it anyway. Like you could just be, you could just be using like a fucking, uh, uh, um, what the hell? A taver. You could use it. You could use a fucking Israeli taver, which looks like the most advanced piece of shit fucking rifle ever. It's super compact. You put a silencer on that. He looks like a super cool guy, but for some reason, AK-47 variant. Like, why? Like, what, what even is this? Like, you're, you're just bringing out, like, a fucking Zenit AK-74 SU with, like, a modified stock on it and, like, a PBS silencer. Like, why, Chris? Why you do this? It's not, like, you had all this opportunity. You know that you fight waves of zombies for a living, and you brought a gun with a fucking 30-round banana mag? By the way, like, if you have, if you have, enough money to like rent Osprey helicopters to drop you into fucking zone. Why not get a goddamn M4 with like a 50 round magazine drum or, or like some, at least like some fast switch, like fucking HK plastic magazines. Dude, reloading an AK takes a second and sometimes you fuck it up. <laughs> like it isn't, it isn't obsolete weapon. It isn't obsolete fucking weapon. Jesus Christ. Dude, you could have brought a P90. P90 would have been dope. That thing's got a shitload of ammo. It shoots 5.7, so you, you can carry ostensibly all of it. Bring fucking 60 magazines of that bullshit. You'll be, you, you, the magazines are like 45, 55, some fuck off rounds. You shoot forever. What the fuck, Chris? He's got that, and he's got a pistol with a big-ass extended clip. Everything he's got is silenced with lasers on it, which I love. Uh, he's got just grenades. <laughs> Which is the best shit ever. In this fucking game, you get like pipe bombs. Your dude's like making pipe bombs. You're making Molotov craft uh, cocktails. There's a crafting system that's like, it exists. It's there. It's a crafting system. I, I feel like I want crafting systems to go away. Like that is just a very early 2010s thing to me that is not done well in modern games. Um, 
I'll talk about it in a bit. But yeah, we're on Chris Redfield stuff. So Chris Redfield shows up with all this fucking equipment and it absolutely slaps. It slaps the fuck out of everything. So like these enemies, like even towards the end of the game with your pistol, your basic pistol, you have to shoot these fuckers like six or seven times, sometimes like three or four or whatever to, to drop them in the face, you know? And then I've got fucking Chris Redfield and I'm just <laughs> annihilating these assholes with this fucking fully automatic weapon. <laughs> and, and you got so much goddamn ammunition. You got grenades. The grenades go off are, are really predictable. They're not like the pipe bombs, which take a little bit. And they they kind of go right where they want. They don't have to take a long time to, to light them. And, and, and the, then you can always switch to your backup pistol, which is great. Even his knife is better than the dumbass piece of shit fucking knife that Ethan brought. He's got like a karambit. Like one of those hooked blade knives with the, with the ring on the finger so you can spin it around like an asshole when you're on post. Everybody that's in the Marine Corps knows what I'm talking about. If you were in the military during fucking Operation Iraqi Freedom, one of your asshole friends had a karambit knife and like he spent a bunch of money on it and he bought a bunch of fucking 550 cord and did the stupid little wrap all the way around the ring and around the thing so that it would have a grip because like fucking half of all karambit knives are sold without grips so that you can wrap fucking 550 cord around them like goddamn dildo and he would keep it into his in his in his jacket and be like yeah man if we ever get to a problem man i always got this on me and then eventually like your first sergeant would be like you're not allowed to bring that out with you so he would start keeping it in his fucking like hidden in one of his magazine pouches or your empty grip grenade pouch because you're not allowed to have grenades anyway and take it out and flip it around yeah man that's what i do you just throw that knife throw a fucking can at me i'm gonna fucking step it out of the fucking sky <laughs> karambit knives karambit knives are try hard as fuck should have brought a machete like why not just bring a full-on fucking flat-tipped machete or a or a, or a bill hook and just crack dudes in the fucking skulls with it but it's a fucking karambit to a goddamn zombie apocalypse with werewolves Chris Redfield does, but it looks kind of cool when you pull it out. He does the flip, slash people. I think it does like twice as twice the amount of damage and goes like twice as fast as Ethan's stupid ass knife. And then then you start calling in fucking airstrikes. <laughs> you call in airstrikes on this giant fetus thing, and it's oh, it's a it's a fucking it's a fucking travesty. I love it. it, but it is it is an absolute travesty of a, of, a, of a part because it really does kind of hammer home how useless Ethan was for this whole thing and kind of like, what the fuck? What the fuck have you been doing, Chris Redfield? And I, w- I was hoping that maybe the mercenaries would elucidate on it or like there would be a backup thing that was actually like, yeah, Chris was, the only reason that you were able to live is Chris was like wearing down most of the rest of these monsters, but that never happens. Dude, he's got fucking, he's got GPNV, four-barrel, like, modern warfare, uh, Call of Duty modern warfare night vision goggles. And, like, so, like, when you go in, normally when you go into dark places, uh, as Ethan, like, you turn on your little flashlight or whatever, and this asshole's just got full-on night vision with, with, <laughs> with the glowing, glowing laser sight on his gun. And you just waste these fucking things. You fight an armored version, a, a fully armored version of an already difficult boss from earlier in a smaller area and just fucking shit down his throat. He dies so fucking fast. It's actually kind of a long fight if you don't know how to do it. But you can call fucking airstrikes on him during it. 
and you just light them up continuously with this fucking gun. It is absurd. You've got flashbangs. <laughs> God damn, dude. Chris Redfield. And then you get to Chris Redfield's part, and then, like, Ethan wakes back up. So, you know, and, 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 and they're just like, yeah, dude, sorry, you're not even human. You're actually just goo. And you were goo all along. Black goo person from from the first game which doesn't make any sense by the way because they're like yeah your wife has to take serious medication because she was infected with the stuff and she ended up turning like sort of into a boss kind of you know in the first game um but you kind of got a cure for her but then you find out that you are actually like 99 percent goo and can live without your fucking heart like she literally tears the the Mother Miranda literally tears your fucking heart out of your chest and then you just keep walking around with it. But but they're like, yeah, we did extensive tests. So like what was your tests only detected her and she had like a mild infection, but I was literally dead and the fucking fungus reconstituted my entire body. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? How does that work? And you didn't notice. Maybe that's why they were dragging. I don't know. Maybe that was explained during it, but it still doesn't. This, the explanation doesn't make any fucking sense. Because if it if if they knew, then literally, why were they anywhere near there? What all of these? What the fucks going on? Why are people doing shit? Nonsense. Half of it gets answered in little notes that you find only in Chris Redfield's section, all in the same room. Like somebody putting all of this together was just like, oh. uh... Yeah, guys, um, we forgot to explain why Mother Miranda is literally doing um, fucking any of this. So you want to write some notes that we're just going to put down in universe? And like they were like, sure. Well, why not? And so like there are. Um, and so there are. Uh, th- th- there's just notes where it's like, oh, yeah, Mother Miranda had a daughter that died during the Spanish flu. That was sad for her, and she got upset, but she ran into uh, Oswald or Norman Spencer of of the, the head chemist at Umbrella after she got infected by the super fungus that was underneath this mountain, and uh, he used it to create zombies, maybe, and they became friends, but not really, and he, she tried to sort of abduct, abduct him, but, but she didn't. Um, fan fiction coming soon about that, I guess. Also, she abducted the other four and turned them into mutants, but um, we don't know necessarily why, but then she heard about your daughter, and your daughter is a perfect match for the fungus because she is, she is the fungus. But also, you are just living fungus. <laughs> so, um, yeah, your daughter could, could be turned into her daughter, and then she would have her daughter again. But also, her daughter would be um, super powerful, superhero, fungus, monster, lady. <laughs> and then you just go shoot this bitch with a fucking sniper rifle in her stupid face until she fucking dies. Like, oh, she has like three different forms, none of which are very interesting, by the way. She's probably one of the most boring final bosses in a Resident Evil game ever, ever. And also, 
Also, she breaks the fucking rule. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You don't have to fucking, you, no one throws you a super weapon, do they? Or maybe, maybe, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe Chris throws you the fucking, the like laser designator, but it's not done in a really cool way or an interesting way where it's like, hey kid, try this. And somebody throws you some sort of super rocket launcher and then you, you hit it with the super rocket launcher and kill it. That's always the best. That's the cool shit. My favorite one of those is, uh, is, is Resident Evil 3, Nemesis. You have to uh, lure the super nemesis because every time he eats another version of a tyrant or himself, he gets like super mutant mega powers and he just turns into a gigantic tentacle blob that uh, you have to lure in front of a gigantic or fucking orbital laser thing that's on the ground that shoots through all these fucking things and you have to blast him with it. And I think you have to hit him with it like twice to kill him. And you only have... Five minutes to do it because the fucking town's about to get nuked and Barry's Barry's in a helicopter waiting to take you away. Not this time. This time you're just Ethan, world's a dad, world's most a dad, um, who's who's doesn't get any special tricks from his fungus other than living for a bit without his heart and then dying anyway. <laughs> the incredible no face man. He, uh, yeah, and then he fucking, uh, he fucking dies at the end. And, um, you get a preview for what may be upcoming games in the series. I know that Resident Evil 8 did fucking amazing. It did gangbusters numbers, so I, I don't see this not being a, uh, you know, a continuing franchise. I mean, it's not, it's not like you're not gonna keep making Resident Evils, but they do like to, uh, deviate from the source material here and there. And honestly, I'm glad that Ethan Winters has come and gone as a character because as far as the Resident Evil main characters go, he is by far my least. The the queen, the the the, the fucking master of lock picking herself, Jill Valentine is undeniably the best main character of all of them in the series followed very closely behind by Claire Redfield and Leon Kennedy, who I think would, I think would be in a tie, but Leon takes the the lead just because he got his own game and it's my favorite one in the series. Um, yeah. And then we, uh, we, we slowly decrease through like Barry Burton, Chris Redfield, other people that were in other games. I don't know. Rebecca Chambers, I think, is a main character in one. Some other dude is a character in one. Uh, I think the uh, mayor's daughter, or no, no, no. It's not the mayor's daughter. It's the, uh, the, the biomutant scientist's daughter from uh, Resident Evil 2 is one. I cannot remember what her fucking name is for the life of me. Um, uh, then the, uh, the, the, the African lady from Resident Evil 5, and then Blonde Jill from Resident Evil 6 and 4 and 5 or wherever the fuck she was in, um, and then any other characters I missed, and then Ethan Winters, who is uh, by far my least <laughs> least favorite fucking character in all of these games. He's just not fun, and I don't think it's like even the voice actor's fault. I think he's just badly written. He worked for his first game, but unfortunately he was in two games and the second game was longer and it just ruined him for me as a character because he had no one to play off of first off. He literally would just go from area to area and then whoever was there, he just whines at them about his missing daughter. 
in that way, he very much reminds me of like Harry Mason from Silent Hill. They're very similar characters. The daughter's gone the entire time. They're both looking for her in some sort of nightmare area. But like with Harry Mason, you know, he's he's got like things to say to people other than I'm looking for my daughter. Short, black hair, eight years old, about this tall. I haven't seen your daughter, Mr. Mason. Wait, how did you know my name? We know many things here. You know, Dahlia Gillespie. I remember every fucking character from Silent Hill 1. And it's not just because I played it 18 times. I played it 18 times because all the fucking characters are great. Dahlia Gillespie is like just one of the best lingering bad guys. Like this, like honestly, Mother Miranda is supposed to be Dahlia Gillespie. Like it's the same chick. She's a mysterious, magical lady. They both wear fucking shawls. They're both super creepy. They're both abducting young women because of their daughters dying. Alyssa Gillespie is uh, Dahlia's fucking kid who is fucking burned and the entire Silent Hill mythos might just be her nightmare that she's having as she dies slowly of third degree burns on a sweltering hospital bed ignored at the back of Alchemelia Hospital. How fucking great, how fucking great is the plot in that fucking game that's even older than this? 24 years old? Jesus Christ. Kids have grown up, become alcoholics, and died in horrifying, brutal, uh, high-speed collisions in, in, in the, the interim time between Silent Hill and now. And just, it's still fucking crisp. And by the way, if you're, if you're going to describe the timelines of between any Silent Hill games, you do it in misery, pain, and fear. You do not do it in happy, hey, he grew up and had a, had a, had a nice wife. You talk about somebody uh, dying. Because of their own misdeeds. That's how you describe timelines. <laughs> it's Silent Hill. I'm sorry. But yeah, she's a, she's a Dahlia Gillespie type. But Dahlia is there the entire time. She's always at like the end. Either her or Alyssa are always at the end of each area. You know, and you, they had so many opportunities with Resident Evil Village to do stuff like that. Because our guy Ethan is ostensibly being haunted by the ghost of Eve, I think her name is. And or is Eve his wife? Whatever the fucking the little girl's name is from five, or the, she's actually the grandmother the entire time in Resident Evil Seven. He actually finds out only in the very end that he's being haunted by her. But you could have had her throughout the entire time. There's like so many places where you could just be walking around and you see her, or you see like the Mother Miranda old lady who's talking to him about stuff. Like there's all these great motives and shit. Like some art director put together a game. And let me just say that because I'm, I'm going to start being like extremely hypercritical here in a second. The art direction in, in, in Resident Evil Village is a fucking 10. It's good start to finish. The art director had more... Uh, more understanding of what could have happened in the plot in this game than any of the fucking writing staff did or any of the fucking games directing staff did because I blame them more than anything. Uh, Demetriscu Castle is gorgeous. It's French Rococo, you know, enameled white walls with this gilded trim, these really thick heavy crenellations and, and, and this crown molding that's just overly decadent and big windows covered over in, 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 in old drapes and, it, and the whole central area is beautiful and then the, 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 the living areas are just lush with silk and velvet and all these 
plates and forks and knives and all kinds of shit. You can always tell these people are always just eating and sleeping and lounging in glory. And then once you get outside of their living areas, it's dingy and and, and dull gray brick. And you can kind of just see it. Everything starts turning into wood in a bad way. All this, uh, all these bare, un, unstained wooden u- utensils that these these servant women use, and and wooden buckets with like straight steel handles that go across the top, and then you get down into the dungeons, and it's just all fucking all rusted metal and iron maidens and 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 fools traps and gibbets. It's fucking awesome, dude. It is a fucking ten. The village itself, it's all crooked and, 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 and grown over itself and, and, and cluttered and clustered, which doesn't make for great gameplay, but it looks amazing. Every single house has a story to sort of tell you about what happened. I, I like that you walk into one of the first places that you go into, Ethan's like, oh, there's still food on the table. I wonder if anything, if anyone's still here. And it's like, you're literally looking left. And then when you look to the right, there's a claw mark the size of a fucking frying pan across the wall. And it, it, you can tell that it really hit at the far end because the bricks have been shorn off of the, 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 off of the wall and in, in, into this, uh, this arcing little pass through this transom. The bricks have been torn from it. And it's like a four thickness of brick you know, this is like the main arch that holds up the fucking house and that's been just ripped out and it's it's blown open at the end and then there's just blood in the next room and you're like, oh, fuck, that's what happened. That it's The scene setting is fucking amazing. It does fall apart um, here and there. The, really, the middle areas and the first two areas look incredible. And, and, and I think it's really just because you have a lot of places to go. Um, the the basement of, of the puppet masters area is just, you know, it's all, it's, it's, it's gringy and grimy. It feels like a, uh, it, it feels like some a place that somebody hides to do weird and creepy shit, which is really what happens there. You know, it's the secret beneath the, uh, upstairs house, which is bright and cheery and well lit and open. And then you take a fucking elevator down and it's all bad downstairs. Everything's, everything's bad in the basement. But moreover, there is this sense of, 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 of motherhood and rebirth, particularly in the motives of those three areas. Um, and, and you could even get into this if you want to get like really, really deep into um, potential storytelling techniques, and I think you should. Uh, there's a story here about motherhood and fatherhood even and parental failure. And, uh, and, and, and the value of children. Mother Miranda has seeked, has, has clearly sought, as we find out in six fucking notes in one of the last rooms that you go into, to uh, rebuild her, her family. She wants, she wants her kid back and she sort of surrounded herself with these uh, pseudo children that she doesn't find particularly engaging. They all don't like her to a degree. Well, actually, they all like her. Um, they all like her or worship her, except for Heisenberg, who's a little, you know, he's a brat. He's the the oldest, the eldest son, basically. And, but, uh, you know, moreover, the um, the second girl, the, the puppet chick, she is a, uh, she, apparently she died 
young, but the fungus might have brought her back. And you can tell because her grave is a thing that you can pass, and it's amongst the graves where the other things are coming back. And the, the fungus is actually built very close to underneath where her home is, the the whatever Ventra, Bonventura Manor. And she is like a shadow behind this puppet self, which is this little snippy, irritating little girl, you know, character that that maybe she never was. And there's a lot of potential in that. There's this motive, motive of a fetus that's everywhere. Um, it's on the key that you use. The final boss is a gigantic fucking fetus thing. I mean, by, by gigantic, I mean like literally the size of like four city blocks getting shot with a goddamn orbital laser or I don't know. Maybe it's a fucking howitzer from the size of a AC one thirty U gunship. I'm I'm not sure. I said no, it'd be AC thirty AC one thirty H. I think it's the Hercules that has the fucking the the seventy five millimeter howitzer on the side of it. But I digress. Um, or is it a one thirty? No, no one cares. No one cares, Tyler. Uh, the the motive continues into the um, little guados or whatever the fuck the little. Parasites that are put into people look like a little fetus, except for it, it's it's got that curve. It looks like um, you know first trimester, a little blob, uh, nothing, um, but much larger. You know the size of a fucking of a, of a fucking volleyball. And instead of having a umbilical cord, it's instead got these these tendrils coming off of the back of it, like a porcupine almost, that that infest the host and stuff. And and there's a lot to be said for that sort of imagery and i really appreciate it as as you know like the the unsettling nature of motherhood and having having this little fucking parasite growing within you and and even putting that sort of um the difficulties of that onto onto men you know the third guy moreau is 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 warped and and made mentally challenged basically by the affliction of the parasite on his body it's it's up near the base of his neck and it's into the top of his head and over his back. So it's this, it's this fucking thing, you know, that's, that's ruining his life. And then I don't know, Heisenberg has magic magnet powers. I don't know what the fuck he's complaining about. So he kind of just skips the description, but uh, as far as the rest of them, like, yeah, there, there's something there, but it's never really explored. And I, I kind of wish it was. And I, I feel like it, it, it really detracts from the overall, story there that Miranda's never really gone into until the very end. And um, there's not a lot of lore really throughout the entire thing. And, and, and there's plenty of places for it, you know, and, and where it should, where it should really be. But you can kind of tell toward the end that um, they, they maybe noticed that they didn't have any explanations for any of these fucking sets that they had going on. And they just had to, uh, drop in dozens upon dozens of notes in Heisenberg's lab and, and, and during the uh, Chris Redfield section. So that, that is what it is. Other than that, things that it did good, uh, the weapons are okay. Uh, weapon handling is pretty decent. It's easy to fucking line up a headshot, at least with a mouse. I, I'd imagine this game is considerably harder with a fucking controller, considerably. Considering I played Resident Evil 2 with a controller and it was super hard, um, I would say it's, it's, it's probably very similar. Um, the guns are pretty satisfying. They're all right to shoot. I like them. Um, shooting enemies feels good. They usually react to some degree. Sometimes they just slow down a bit. Other times they'll fall down and roll. Headshots usually have some sort of pretty significant reaction. So that's kind of fun. The animations are neat. 
some of the all of the monsters look good. I wish there was more variety. But um, ultimately, I would say I would give this game about a seven. Yeah, probably about a seven, maybe a six. If I was gonna be a hard ass, I would give it a six. I, I've been thinking about replaying it, and I haven't yet. And I don't know if I really want to because I can't think of anything I enjoyed that much other than the first three chunks of it. You know, really, really the first two. The Metroscue Castle is pretty much a standout. And then I would have to slog through everything else to get to the kind of fun part of Heisenberg's area. And then there's just extra shit to play through that I don't really want to deal with. And, um, you know, some of the scares are really kind of one time only. But um, other than that, you know... Yeah, it's not it's not that uh not that great to me. Good, very good, very competent. Um the sequel that it potentially sets up, I'm very not interested in. I'm actually extraordinarily worried about because it seems like they've created another version of Mila Jovovich, Mila Jovovich's character from the Resident Evil movies, which is uh possibly not great. But you know, with that uh with all that said, you know, that's pretty much that's pretty much Resident Evil, uh, Resident Evil Village, and I've talked about it so much. I'm, I'm pretty much going to end the. Uh, I'm going to end the episode there. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like me talking about stuff like this, you know, let me know. Always go go over there to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, even if you don't leave. Use Apple Podcasts uh, for some reason. That is just the only metric by which anybody judges the success of a podcast. Is it's fucking Apple Podcasts uh, rates and reviews. So pop on over there, rate me, review me, tell me how fucking dumb I am. Um, I don't mind. Some people have. Uh, people got upset at me for saying to go get vaccinated. I'm going to repeat myself. Go get fucking vaccinated. God damn it. You need to, you, you need to get vaccinated against the worldwide plague. There, you don't have any excuses. Sorry, you listened all the way through this to uh, unfortunately get lectured again, but go get vaccinated. Um, make sure that you don't get other people sick and continue the ongoing slog into the darkness that uh, you know our, our last administration created. Um, all that stuff aside, join the Patreon, especially if you want to stay up to date on stuff coming up. Hopefully I will um, be getting maybe some people in here for, for interviews, which I think would be interesting. I don't mind the longer versions of this. Obviously, if, if you don't like the longer versions of these episodes, you can always just turn it off. These are bonus episodes, and, um, and I, I, really, I really don't mind that much if they're not uh, the best things ever. But I, apparently a lot of people listen to them, they enjoy them, and they like them. If you listen to it, enjoy it. Hey, Give me those rates. Give me those reviews. Look forward. We have four more episodes of Scars in Time before the um, many-month hiatus begins. Uh, hopefully, we can come back by October. I don't think so. I think we're looking at maybe November at best, possibly December, maybe even next year, but I hope that's not the case. Um, but I assure you, when we do come back, it is going to be some next-level shit, so... Keep that in mind. And if it goes on too long, I've got some, I've got some, uh, some short stories waiting in the wings that I can put out for you guys um, as, a, as, as some mid-season, mid-season tinglers. One, actually, the one that I have is like super long anyway, so it'd be like an hour and a half episode somewhere somewhere in the middle of all this um all that aside yeah thanks a bunch um hop out there you guys know that we're, we're on the discord definitely join the discord if you want to talk about this stuff especially if you want to recommend things to me there's actually some recommendations i was, I was planning on uh talking about today but i really couldn't get to it because there's just so much to talk about with resident evil 8 that i uh i sort of let it run away with me so 
it is what it is. At the uh, at the end of this, just um, get out there, guys. Take care of yourselves. Now that everything's starting, sort of kind of trying to relax, you know, get out there, spend some money, have 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 a good time. And uh, until next time, as always, stay safe out there. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Something's not quite right in the quiet mountain town of Targrady, West Virginia. Months after a local teen was lynched in the dead of a hot summer night, two men stand charged with murder in what the majority opinion considers to be an open and shut case. But Adelaide Stevenson, a young crime reporter from Charleston, is finding out the smallest cracks in the official narrative run far, far deeper than she could have ever expected. Join Adelaide and West by God as she navigates small-town secrets, the dubious ethics of her own profession, 
and the dark whispers of an ancient creature, known to some as the Witcham Woman, who prowls the shadowed hollers that lie between night and nightmare. Sent on overnight assignment to cover the start of the trial, Adelaide quickly realizes the story she's been told, and been telling, doesn't make sense. Cryptic assertions of a concrete alibi are emailed to her by the family of the accused. Nobody in town seems comfortable discussing the basic facts of the case, and the murder she's been writing about wasn't the only tragic death this summer. Adelaide extends her stay against the wishes of her editor, and her investigations take a complicated and dangerous turn as she discovers the true depths of the mysteries surrounding Targrady. The only real evidence from the night of the murder may lie in the hands of a notorious local crime family led by an enigmatic woman known as the Fetid Queen. Local authorities seem to grow more hostile by the hour, and even Adelaide's own career might not survive this assignment. Featuring an eclectic cast of characters ranging from violent and horrifying to outlandish and fabulous, West by God is a must-read novel for anybody who enjoys Twin Peaks, Stephen King, and all the creepy places you find just off the path in the woods. It is the debut novel of Tyler Bell, a USMC infantry combat veteran, former crime and courts reporter for the Charleston Daily Mail, and creator of the award-winning Westside Fairy Tales horror and dark fiction podcast. Due for release by Henlo Press in October of 2023. Learn more at westsidefairytales.com slash westbygod.